morning, everyone. Some of you know, but my job, I'm a software engineer. Basically, I sit in front of the computer all day long, staring at code, going to meetings. Kind of boring in, in general. But the last few weeks, maybe the last couple of months, I've been spending a whole lot of time out in the field. We work with the military. And we spend a lot of time talking to generals, sergeants, private first class, all kinds of soldiers. And over the last few weeks to months, I've been spending a lot of time with soldiers. And I, I never served in the military, but the exposure that I've had to, to spending time with people who fight for our country, put their life on the line every day, it's been really eye-opening, especially as I start to read the Bible and I start to consider the fact that there's a lot of soldier language in the Bible. Of course, you go back to the Old Testament and you see clearly there the, the, the fighting was palpable. It was real. It was real fighting back in the Old, Old Testament. And you get to the New Testament and you see this shift, especially and most vividly, I think, when Jesus was on trial and he explained that his kingdom wasn't of this world. If it were of this world, his people would be fighting. But they weren't fighting. Peter tried to fight. He told him to get behind me. But we understand that there's a shift now. The battle is no longer a physical battle, but we still are soldiers. And it's interesting how many times people like the Apostle Paul talk about our Christian service as, as a battle. Then we are soldiers of Christ, that we're fighting for Christ. And I feel like, well, maybe I've never served in the military, so how can I talk about soldiering? Well, neither did the Apostle Paul. <laughs> but he spent a lot of time talking about soldiering. Because as he was there later on in his life, sitting in chains, who did he have to interact with? Who was he talking to most of the time? He was talking to soldiers. He was, he was there seeing the, the physical manifestation of the thing that he was talking to us spiritually about. And I don't know, maybe I connect with that as I've been kind of eavesdropping on a squad of soldiers talking to each other or, or listening to people making plans in the military. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about how soldiers fight. How do soldiers fight? And we're going to use this word fight as an acronym here for the points in this lesson. So you want to walk away. What did we talk about today? We talked about fighting. F-I-G-H-D. Soldiers fight, and we see that throughout the New Testament. We see our comparison, our service for the Lord as a battle. And so it also leads me to, to ask this question before we get into the lesson. What's the difference between a warrior and a soldier? It's an important distinction, I think. You go back and you think about people who were warriors in maybe the Old Testament or maybe in history. You think of something, someone like Samson. Samson, in my mind, was a warrior. He was not much of a soldier, but then you get to people like David's mighty men, and they were soldiers. They worked together. The difference between those two things is the fact that a warrior is like rogue. He's on his own. He's trusting in his own strength. 
a soldier works with the other soldiers. A soldier leans on the strength of the soldiers around them. And when we get to the New Testament and we hear Paul talking to us so eloquently about being a soldier, notice that he doesn't talk about being a warrior for Christ. It's not talking about being a rogue individual for Christ. It's talking about being a soldier. It's talking about working together with your fellow soldiers to do the work that you need to do for, for the master, for the commander-in-chief. And that, that's important as we start thinking about this this morning. I want to I wanna hone in, I want to focus on the fact that we are soldiers. We're not warriors. We're soldiers, which means that we fight together. Which means that we as the church are collectively working together. And we're not alone. And, and that's something that I want us to see as part of this lesson this morning as well. The first point maybe that we can hone in on here is that soldiers stay focused. There's the F. Soldiers stay focused. And you can clearly see that in 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is going to be a text that we'll go back to a little bit. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, we're only going to read part of the verse because I don't want to tip my hand for later. Verse 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. You think about this from the standpoint of, of a soldier in battle. They're not out there with a, an M16 in one hand and Facebook on the, in the other hand, are they? I mean, maybe they are. I, I don't know, but I, I certainly hope not. If their training has taught them anything, like you're not checking Instagram as you're like trying to mow down the enemy, you need to stay focused. You need to not get entangled in civilian pursuits. And if there's one thing that I've learned in just talking to soldiers is they don't want anything in their way. Anything that is inefficient, anything that is keeping them from, from staying alive, they don't want anything standing in their way. So if you can move a piece of equipment from this side to that side, that's what they want. They want to they wanna make sure that everything that they're, that they're focused on is intentional and purposeful. It's leading them to their mission. It's leading them to their objective. A soldier doesn't get entangled with all the kind of trivialities of life. You go to Ephesians chapter 6 and you see how Paul tells us there in verse 12 that we are effectively in a battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is our objective. We're not fighting a physical battle. We're not fighting with each other. We're not getting distracted by civilian pursuits or, or the, the little petty battles of this life. If I could speak for Lance and myself for a second, we are not fighting the battle of the temperature of this building. We are not fighting the battle of the quality of the slides. We're not fighting the battle of the color of the carpet or what material we're, we're studying in Bible class today. Those are not the battles we're fighting. We're not fighting the battle over who is right about some matter of judgment. We're fighting the battle for people's souls. We're fighting the battle against spiritual forces of darkness. And we have to keep our focus on that. 
because it is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy for us to just start fighting other battles, to start thinking about other things, start getting distracted by things that don't matter in the grand scheme of our life and our service to the Lord. We have an objective, and we're focused on it. And we can do that together. Always remembering, always being reminded together to stay focused. So not only are we focused as soldiers, but we also build infrastructure. Soldiers build infrastructure. There's the I. And I love this point, by the way. This point was really the, the, the point that made me want to preach this lesson. Because infrastructure is so important. And I know, politically speaking today, the word infrastructure has a lot of baggage with it. But just put that on the side. Put, turn your Fox News off for a second and just talk with me. I want to have a conversation about infrastructure because soldiers know a whole lot about infrastructure, let me tell you. You don't think you're going to go out into battle and just start fighting. That's not going to happen. The unsung heroes of the battlefield are the battlefield engineers. The unsung heroes of the war are the ones who have gone out there and dug the trenches who have shored up the bridges, who have built the barracks, who have put together the medical facilities. They're the ones who have gone out there and made sure that the supply lines are clear. Because how long do you think you can fight with a bunch of soldiers having to go then to McDonald's every day or find a Burger King so that they can eat? That ain't gonna work. You need infrastructure in place. You need the, the support structure so that Soldiers can fight, and they can focus on what they're doing. Infrastructure is critical in battle, and you're not going to get very far in, in war without having that infrastructure in place. And so that's where we get to, go to passages like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where we find out that, that the church is made up of, of people who equip others, who build each other up for this service. Verse 11 says, and he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. These people are put together, put in place, so that they can build you up. They can equip you. They can give you the tools necessary so you can go out and fight. Here's the thing, and I've said this so many times, I think Sean said this so many times, but let me just say it again in case it, it hasn't sunk in yet. No one may ever mention your name in the pulpit. No one may ever mention your name during the announcements about something that you're doing, some activity that you're taking place in, but if you're serving this congregation behind the scenes, you're a blessing to us. You're doing your job. And you're providing the kind of infrastructure that's necessary for us to be a well-rounded, well-equipped group of saints. You can think about it like just providing an encouragement to somebody behind the scenes. No one may ever pat you on the back for giving somebody encouragement, but you're doing your job. And you're fighting along with everyone else here. That is part of the battle. That is part of what soldiers do. They build 
infrastructure. They put in place the, the, all the tools necessary to, as the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, to lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. The Hebrew writer there is quoting Isaiah 35. And if you go back to Isaiah 35, verse 3, you'll find out that the language is not lift up your hands and strengthen your knees. The language there in Isaiah 35, verse 3 is lift up their hands and strengthen their knees. The language there is talking about you being a support structure for someone. And that may not feel like fighting. That may not feel like doing the work on the front line of battle. But if you're working behind the scenes, you are part of the battle. You are doing your job. So we have a lot of people here who strengthen behind the scenes, who give encouragement behind the scenes, who give generously and liberally, who open up their homes. Praise God that you're a part of our group and that you do that work. And so not only do soldiers build infrastructure as they keep focused, but they also stay on guard. We definitely see that soldiers stay on guard. You're not going to last very long in battle if you are not on guard. And if you go back, by the way, in the Old Testament, so many battles that were fought in the Old Testament, especially as God was a part of those battles, so many of those battles actually took place while the enemy was off their guard. How the Lord's people would sneak in behind the scenes in the cover of darkness and take over at night. When everyone was off guard, we need to stay on guard. And a good soldier does just that. A good soldier stays on guard. And as we stay on guard, it's hard not to think about Ephesians chapter 6. From 11 to 17, as we talk about the armor that we wear as part of Part of our garments here in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And again, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We have to stay on guard wearing our armor and he goes on there to talk about all the armor that we wear but we need to stand firm we need to be on our guard because we understand that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion we understand that there is always an opportunity for us to fall every time we turn the corner every new day that comes our way there is another opportunity for satan to grab hold and to take advantage we need to be on guard we need to be watchful not only for ourselves, but watchful for each other. How many times, how many times in the New Testament do, do people like Paul and others talk about watching out for each other, bearing each other's burdens, making sure that when somebody slips and stumbles that you pick them back up, that you restore a brother, that you correct a brother. That's how we can stay on guard together. And this is one of the great benefits of not being a warrior, right? This is one of the great benefits of being a soldier who has a whole squad, who has a whole unit around them to watch out for them and to keep them safe. 
Also important here, I think, is that we need to be the kind of people who are on guard, who are watchful, but we don't need to go picking fights that we don't need to be out there fighting. That's also important. I think when I was younger, I was always one of those people who just wanted to go like poke everybody in the eye, right? <laughs> like I wanted to just kind of, uh, you know, win the battle and win the argument. Karen, Karen's shaking her head because she knew, she knew me a whole lot when I was that age, right? Is this, this kind of person who, who just has to go pick a fight with everybody. You know, the devil is coming to us. And we can stand as watchmen on the wall waiting for the devil to come to us prepared and still remain working, kind of like Nehemiah and all the people there who had, a, who had their tools in one hand and they had the sword in the other. They, were, they weren't out there picking the fight. They were, they were focused on the work, and when the fight came to them, they took care. I'm not, need, I'm not intending to say that we don't need to be proactive in our defense of the gospel, but we definitely, definitely need to stay focused on the mission at hand. And so let's be on guard for the Lord. Let's make sure that we're watchful and keeping our eyes open because as we've already talked about, it's very easy to get distracted. Very easy for us to lose our focus. And so let's make sure we're, we're watching out for each other. And when we see somebody stumble, when we see somebody fall, when somebody in our midst has decided that they no longer want to be a part of us, do we just give up on them? I appreciate Chad's prayer so much that we have people, especially in our number, who we need to have the, the discernment to know what to do, to know what to say. We need to pray for that wisdom from the Lord, to know how to approach these people, to, to bring them back, if we, if we possibly can. And so let's watch out for each other. Finally, or not finally, sec, penultimately, let's just say, uh, is that soldiers respect hierarchy. There's the H in fight. Soldiers respect hierarchy. And I think this is important because I was standing there this, well, uh, two weeks ago. I was standing there watching a whole squad of, of soldiers kind of just congregating. And the squad leader snapped his fingers and everybody came to attention. There was a whole bunch of private first class. They, they all called themselves Joes. So they're just kind of the, the grunts on the ground. And they were, whatever the squad leader said, they did it. Not questioning, you know, didn't, they didn't even give it a second thought. Whatever he said for them to do, that's what they did. And that was refreshing to see. It's refreshing to see obedience. It's, it's refreshing to see a respect for hierarchy, a, a respect for leadership obedience for obedience's sake. And I think we need to learn a whole lot from that, honestly, because we definitely have a leadership. We definitely have a hierarchy that we follow. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse, sort of the end of verse 4, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. A soldier's aim is to please the one who enlisted him. A soldier understands that I'm down here and the one who enlisted me is up here. And I want to make him happy. 
and you go up the chain of command all the way from the private first class to the, to the general, all the way up to the commander-in-chief. You go, you go all the way up to the top, and you think about the respect for the, for the chain of command all the way up. And we have that. We have leaders in our group. We have people who watch out for our souls. We have our elders here who we have asked, by the way, Let's never forget that. We asked them to watch over us. Did we not? We asked these men to watch over us. And they said yes. They agreed to do it. And so we've asked them to watch over us. And when they lead us, when they guide us, when they tell us where we need to go as, as shepherds, as our, think about them as, squad leaders, think about them in that way. And when they tell us where to go, we say, yes, that's where we'll go. We don't, need to, we don't need to question them. We don't need to give them a hard time, especially because the Hebrew writer talks to us a whole lot at the very end of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, that we have a responsibility to obey our leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no, of no advantage to you. We have a responsibility to look to our hierarchy, to look to our leaders and obey them and listen to them. And that's, as a soldier, what would happen if the private first class just decided, I'm going to make the rules. <laughs> I'm going I'm to decide what we're doing today. That's not going to work. And Jesus, as the head of the church, knew that that wasn't going to work for the church as well. And that's why he put these men in place. That's why he set up this role, so that the church would have good leadership, would have people watching out for it. He is ultimately the head. He is ultimately in charge. And so we follow Christ. We respect his hierarchy. We respect his leadership. Where he tells us to go is where we go. And if he hasn't told us to go somewhere, we don't go there. And so as soldiers, we understand the importance of hierarchy. We understand the importance of leadership. And we know our role in that. We know where we stand. We know that we are obedient. We are submissive to those who lead us. And what a blessing it is that we have elders who lead us, that we have a God who has given us his son to lead us, what a blessing it is that his son followed the, the instructions, followed the explicit orders of his father to the letter. What a blessing it is that we see hierarchy and that we know our place in it today. Because that takes a lot off of my shoulders, doesn't it? I don't have to worry about things that are outside of my control. I don't have to fix the problems that, are, that aren't mine to fix. I can lay these things before the Lord God. I can give him my problems. I can point out that objective over there and say, what is that over there, Lord? Can you take care of that? And trust that he will. I don't have to, I don't have to be entangled by things that I can't control because I, I respect hierarchy. Finally, soldiers endure trials. They absolutely do. From boot camp all the way up to battle. Soldiers go through 
suffering and trials together. And we do the same as the church. We endure trials together. And that is, again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Paul's encouragement here, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's what I want to be called. I want to be called a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And I'm going to be called a good soldier of Christ Jesus when I suffer for him. When I go through trials, when I go through difficulties for the Lord, I will be called a good soldier if I can faithfully endure. We endure these trials. We endure these difficulties because we understand that that our Lord has endured them as well. We are in good company, as Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When we go through sufferings, when we go through trials, it's not a bad thing. And that's a hard shift in our, in our normal way of thinking. Because I don't normally view suffering and trials as a good thing. I don't normally, in the midst of, of being insulted, in the midst of being persecuted, in the midst of being ostracized by people, I don't immediately think of that as like, yes, I'm so happy I get to go through this. But as I stop and think about what Jesus went through, and I get to share in just a small part of that, that puts me in good company. That helps remind me that, that trials make me better. Trials lead me to patience. Trials lead me to grace. Trials lead me to, to be merciful for people. Trials lead me to love others. Trials lead me to be more like Jesus. And so we can face trials together. Again, it's not that you go through something alone. If you've ever endured something, if you've ever been going through something, and you haven't reached out to somebody and talked to them about it, if you haven't sat down across the table from, from a brother or sister and talked to them about what you're going through, you're missing out on an opportunity. Because you don't have to go through these things alone. You don't have to face the trials and the difficulties of life alone. And you may not think there's anyone else in here who's ever faced what you faced. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people in this room, and there's a lot of people in this room who care and who love. And maybe they haven't faced exactly what you're going through, but they have an open, sympathetic, listening ear, and they can pray with you, and they can pray for you. And so take advantage of your fellow soldiers as you go through these trials, as you face life's difficulties. I love thinking about soldiers. I love thinking about how we are, we are soldiers for Christ. We're fighting for the Lord. Isn't it? And as we've talked about, we're fighting a different kind of battle. We're not out there trying to, trying to tear people down. We're not out there trying to destroy people or win arguments in this world. We're trying to save people's souls. That is our job. That is our focus. That's what we're constantly thinking about. And as soldiers, thinking about our mission, really, at the end of everything, at the end of our lives, can we say, like Paul in 2 Timothy 4, at sort of the end of these sections that we've been talking about, 
verses 7 to 8, I have fought the good fight. Will we be able to say that? I have fought the good fight. I have been a soldier for the Lord. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul's talking about the fact that at the end of his life, he's fought the fight. He is a soldier who has fought the fight. And he turns around to all of us and says, if you love Jesus, if you're a soldier of Christ, then this amazing prize, this amazing gift at the end of all of this fight can be yours too. You can have the crown of righteousness. You can have the home in heaven that's prepared for you. You can have that if you also have been a good soldier for Jesus. So maybe this week, if you get discouraged, if you find yourself getting distracted, I'm going to be out in Yuma with a bunch of soldiers all week. Uh, they're going to be right in my mind all week long. I'm going to be thinking about this lesson. And if you, want to, if you want to think about that with me, just remember that you're a soldier of Jesus. You're a soldier of Christ. And what does that mean to you going out into the world? How can you take that and let it change you this week? I hope this morning that we would all be encouraged to fight the good fight of faith along with people like Paul so that we could have that crown of righteousness as well someday. You aren't a child of the Lord's, though. If you're not enlisted into the army of Jesus, then this morning we would love to, to sign you up. We would love to take your confession for the Lord. We'd love to baptize you in his name so that you could come up out of those waters a part of Christ's army, ready to fight alongside the rest of us. And if you're part of the army of the Lord's, if you're a soldier who's fallen, and we'd like to pray for you. We'd like to help you in whatever we, way we can. Please come as we stand and sing.